Welcome to Hope Reclaimed. On this podcast, we talk about lasting healing from divorce, trauma, and loss through Jesus Christ, because healing and true redemption have already been extended by a good God. Sometimes he's inviting us to partner with him and receive that healing for ourselves. My name is Ellie Hope Collins, and I'm the host of this podcast, founder of HopeReclaimedMinistries.com, and a coach for individuals healing from divorce, trauma, and loss. In 2016, I discovered my ex-husband's long-term affair, and I was totally broken. Although I was desperate for a restored marriage, that's not what happened. But it wasn't until I chose to go back to every restaurant, listen to every song, and relive every memory that reminded me of my marriage and truly surrender everything to God that I really began to live a reclaimed life. And I'm now on a mission to help men and women just like you see true and lasting healing through Jesus. Whether you're experiencing the painful effects of divorce, grieving the death of a spouse, or beginning to accept the loss of a dream, you're in the right place. Complete healing and restoration is possible. Welcome to Hope Reclaimed. Hey guys, we are in the middle of a podcast series right now on motherhood. It's an experience that I am facing for the first time, and I'm excited to share with you different individuals' stories, the struggles that they've gone through, and the successes, and how they found the Lord in the middle of all of it. Today, we are talking with Anna Brosh. Anna is the executive director of Connected Families, and she is sharing her experience of infertility, adoption, and healing from grief. I'm really excited to share with you this episode today. And just a few things before we get into this episode, just keep in mind that this is Anna's experience. It's her story. And keep in mind that not everyone who has experienced infertility has adopted, and not everyone who has adopted has experienced infertility. So just keep that in mind as you listen to this episode. Like I said, Anna is the executive director of Connected Families, and if you'd like more information about them or really anything that she mentions, mentions in this episode, take a look at our show notes for more information. Let's get into this episode with Anna Brosh. Hey there, Anna. Welcome to Hope Reclaimed. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks, Ellie. It's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. This is such a joy. Um, I, I've known you for a long time, and um, as a part of Connected Families, um, mm -hmm. who we, we drop Connected Families on this podcast all the time. We talk about it. It's, mm -hmm. It just happens. Um, but, but yeah, I'm so excited to have you here and um, to share your story. But would you just briefly share with my listeners what fills your days? Well, right now, what fills my days is working full-time for Connected Families. Mm -hmm. I'm executive director there and I wake up early and I start working early. Uh, I do have a flexible schedule. So I get the kids out the door and my kids are 15 and 16. So by getting awesome. them out the door, that means asking if they want a sandwich. It's not, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lot right now. They're not little anymore. Um, and yeah, just kind of staying on top of their life. And then I just love in the summer, I love gardening. I spend a lot of my time gardening Oh, nice! and in the winter I do house projects and I always mm -hmm. have some type of project going on. That's great. Do you do like vegetable gardens or, um, flower gardens? What kind of gardening? Usually flower gardens. And this year I, I always, you know, throw in some tomatoes and zucchini and some basic mm -hmm. stuff, but this year I decided to go all in with my vegetable garden. And that was Ooh. a huge time commitment, but it was amazing. I loved it. I knew we didn't have any big travel this summer. So I just decided to go big with my vegetable garden and we have a big backyard that can handle it. So I, awesome. I did it. So did you do some canning or, or anything like that when I did everything was, I did, okay. I do freezing. It's just oh, yeah. easier. 
Mm-hmm. Totally. On, on this podcast right now, in this series, we're, we're talking about motherhood. We're talking about the highs and the lows. Um, and, and again, the Lord's redeemable, um, and re- redeeming hand in the midst of a lot of pain and struggle. Um, that's a theme throughout this whole podcast, <laughs> whatever we talk about, mm-hmm. no matter if it's, um, divorce, um, de- the death of a loved one or yeah. whatever, there's nothing too big for the healing power of Jesus. I believe that fully. And, um, and you're here to talk about a specific aspect of parenting and of, of, um, motherhood from, from your perspective and your, your story. So would you, um, share your testimony, um, with, with the podcast? Yeah. You know, you originally asked me if I would be, um, interested in talking about adoption. And while my story does weave adoption in, I think that my focus is really just I really want to just talk more about infertility and grief yeah, and grieving well. And so to um, start my story, my husband and I met our freshman year of college. We dated our four years of college and we were engaged for a year and then we got married a year out of college. So we're coming up on 25 years of marriage. Congratulations. That is incredible. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Praise the Lord. Yes. That is, that's beautiful. Yep. And we decided, or I decided, I guess we just planned that we would be focused on our careers for five years. And then, um, so right on schedule, beginning of 2002, we decided to start our family. And so assuming that a baby would come in the fall Mm -hmm. and that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So everything, truly everything in my life had kind of gone, gone the way I wanted it to up until that point. And so it was just a shock to me. It was a surprise to me that I wasn't getting pregnant and it certainly wasn't on schedule and it wasn't planned. And I I just struggled a lot with that, but I, you know, we pursued the fertility treatments we were comfortable with, um, really in 2002, 2003, 2004, those were our infertility years. And then November of 2004, we got the results back from the last fertility treatment we were comfortable with. And on schedule, we put our application in for adoption in 2000 or 2004, December, so like a month later. And you're saying all on schedule, like on schedule. Yeah. Right. Right. So we were at that point, we were, you know, two and a half years behind schedule of starting our family. And so, um, close the books on infertility, put the application in for adoption in December and our baby was born in February. Oh, wow. So that's a really right. quick turnaround. Really quick. <laughs> Wow. Really fast. And then we traveled to, uh, bring him home in June. Um, so we landed July 4th of 2005. So our adoption process was shorter even than carrying a child. We just, we just like jumped right in and we were all in. And, you know, I think what I, as I look back, what I didn't really understand was, um, I didn't even really know how to grieve what we didn't have. Hmm. And so then the grieving took place over time and over years and at different times. And it would, you know, the grieving, what, 
the grieving, what we didn't have, it would just pop up in the strangest times. So for instance, when my kids were maybe two and four, oh, and then to share, we did adopt again. Uh, uh, two years later, we adopted our daughter um, in 2000. She was born in 2006 and we traveled to bring her home in 2007. Wow. So our family was complete and it was beautiful and really good and really hard. And we <laughs> won't, I won't share their stories. Um, but it was, you know, it was a lot of transition and a lot of difficulty, but then when they were maybe two and four, you know, I was just going along as like, okay, I got my kids. I got my family. I'm ready to go. Here we go. And I remember looking at them. I remember exactly where I was standing in the kitchen and looking at these beautiful children who I adored and thinking, who are these kids and how did they get in my house? How did this all happen? And and I, I actually, it was mother's day weekend of, um, 2009. And I just remember having the most overwhelming grief and needing to be Mm. in bed for a few days. And then my husband, um, I mean, he, he knew exactly what I needed and he booked me into a hotel downtown Minneapolis for a couple of nights and just said, get away and just process. And so there were different times like mm. that, that grieving would pop up and I didn't expect it. And I didn't know what to do with it. Hmm. Um, do you, did you know what the grief was when it was coming up? Did no. you know that it was okay? No. What did you, what did you think it was? I didn't, I didn't know. I know that over time I sought out different counselors. I did work Mm -hmm. with different people. Um, But I think one of the things that has surprised me is how you can grieve so much something that you, you didn't even know that you needed to grieve and yet Mm. still love your children so desperately. Um, Wow. That's, that's such a beautiful concept and challenging too. I mean, it's this, you know, we, we do talk on this podcast about kind of the, the idea of grieving a dream. It's yes. not necessarily, it's not necessarily a tangible thing, but you, you really can grieve the loss of this ideal that you, that you had. Um, and, and it sounds like for you having your schedule, the way that you did things it, and you, you talked about that schedule, that, that, mm-hmm. that was your schedule, your timeline, you got married, um, you get the career. And then the next thing you do is you have the kids, um, maybe after buying the house or whatever, you know, you're checking the boxes. And then as that's not happening in the way that you had planned, you know, then you do the next thing that you're supposed to do, which is probably pursue those fertility treatments. And then if that doesn't work, then you do the adoption thing. So you were, you were kind of making your way through that checklist. Um, but it sounds like you weren't, you weren't, um, really processing and and grieving the, I didn't, I didn't stop the loss of the dream to grieve. And so I, you know, as I got closer to 40, I, I started when I would see people, when I would see, you know, beautiful pregnant women at church, I would see them Mm -hmm. and I would just like, it was like this physical pain that I had Mm -hmm. inside. And I never knew when those feelings would pop up. Um, but one of the things that I've now for, you know, 20 years have been working through is 
to when I have those grief feelings, not pushing them back down and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what's going on with me. Why did I feel that? Why did I have that physical reaction? Why did my stomach hurt or my, you know, why, what, what's happening inside Mm -hmm. than just pushing it away. So that's been really helpful. Um, and I, I just want to share this story. I asked my daughter permission to share, to share this story. Um, and, and I guess for me, one of the beauties that has come out of my grief is that I've been able to then understand when other people are grieving. So, oh yes, man. Isn't that, (laughs) that's just a grace of the Lord too. It is. He gives us that ability to just see, see the pain in someone else. Yeah. And be okay. Okay. With it. Not be afraid of it. So, um, this story that I, I did ask my daughter permission to share, uh, four years ago, we did travel, um, to Ethiopia to spend time with her first mom. And, um, it was amazing. And we have an open relationship now with her first mom. And so we traveled to meet her and spend time with her before we traveled, my daughter had really been pushing me away, which is why I knew we needed to make this trip. If for us, it was the right time. I'm not suggesting that's right for everyone. For us, it was the right time when she was in fifth grade to make that trip. And um, we had a couple days with her and extended family. And it was this really beautiful time, super overwhelmingly emotional. And then we had to say goodbye. And we went on with the rest of our trip through Ethiopia and um, in the hotel room that night, she didn't want me to touch her. She kept calling me Anna. She wouldn't call me mm-hmm. mom. We were sharing a, a bed and she wouldn't sleep with me. And she just like, she was recoiling and I could just feel her grief. Mm-hmm. I could feel her grief. And the Lord gave me these words to say to her, which changed everything for us. So I was able to say, I don't know your grief, but I do know what it feels like to grieve. And I know that physical ache you have. I know what that feels like. And I know because I love you so much and I love your brother so much, but I also have grieved the children that I didn't raise. And you love your first mom so much. And you also love me so much. And you're grieving that you can't be raised by your first mom. And it's okay Mm. to grieve and love. You can have both of those feelings. So, you know, she's in fifth grade. Maybe I didn't use all those words, but it was the same sentiment. And she melted into me. She Mm. let me hold her. We slept together And that for us was our turning point in, in our relationship where I feel like it could have gone a totally different direction Mm. had I not been tuned into her grief. So again, I mean, that's a grace of God shining through in that moment that allowed me to feel her grief, know her grief, empathize and, and not just, not just say, oh, you'll be fine. You'll get over it. You know, which could have been totally shut her down. Or taking it personally, like, oh, well, you must yeah. not love me. Oh, no. Oh, I, I love what you're saying because, and I, I, I always say pain is not comparable. It is <laughs> what, what we go through is not comparable to somebody else. However, 
when you start comparing pains, if you do, it means you haven't fully processed your own. And so the fact that you are able to see your daughter's own grief and, and have empathy for it means that you've actually begun the process of, of healing your own, Mm -hmm. of, of identifying it and giving it to the Lord and not, not, um, holding that as, um, as something that, you know, that that's too much or something, Mm -mm. um, man, that is so powerful that you were able to sit with your daughter in that. Yeah. And I'm very thankful that she, uh, allowed me to share that. And and it's interesting because it's come up in conversation a few different times and, um, and it allows us to have really great conversations about her first mom as well. So Mm -hmm. we, yeah, I'm thankful that we had that time. I, lo- I love that so much. I'm, I'm interested to just something practical that you call yep. her f- the first mom. Yes. Can you, can you explain that? Every, every family who builds their family through adoption mm-hmm. uses a, a term. Typically that's what we've chosen. And we, we chose that because to us, it feels very honoring. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, she's more than a birth mom, a birth mom to us feels like it's just a, <laughs> a carrier of a child. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and for people who do say birth mom, that's, that's fine for us. It doesn't, we want to elevate her first mom. So that's, that's what we've decided to say. And we say first family as well. When we talk yeah. about her family in Ethiopia, we call them her first family. I think that's beautiful. And and I think that's uh, an, an important and interesting thing to just point out that each, each person might may do it differently. And it's, it's important to, to honor that and to even just figure out what's best for your own family. If that's how you, yeah. Right. And I think especially to be intentional about it and, and whatever is, whatever a family chooses is, is fine for that family, but just knowing why they've chosen what they've chosen. And for us, this makes sense. Have you yeah. not heard first mom before? No, I have. And I'm, okay. I'm just, in, I'm, I'm interested at, you know, why people choose sure. the terms that they do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted to see, you know, what, what made that decision for you? Yes. I can tell you a lot of people say gotcha day for adoption yep. day and we don't say gotcha day and it's fine for those who do, but mm-hmm. I want to use famiversary, which is like anniversary, but it's our family anniversary. Famiversary. That is so fun <laughs> <laughs> because our kids were adopted around the same time. And so we always felt celebrate our family day together, but oh. my husband doesn't love mashup words. And so we just call it our family day. Okay. <laughs> I love mashup words. That's awesome. <laughs> but well, I love mashup words and I love famiversary. So that's, that's what I call it. That's so fun. <laughs> I love that. Well, okay. So that, that's just like a good practical thing. So just going back to something else that you had said, um, around, around how you were able to 100% love your kids, feel, um, feel so much draw to them and, and grateful that you had them, that you, yes. that you have them, yes. um, while also feeling the pain of realizing that you will never be pregnant, um, or have, or, or carry your own, um, your own children biologically. Can you talk about what that was, what, what that was like to begin to notice that and, um, and begin to nurture it in your own heart? Yeah. You know, like I mentioned, like seeing women who are pregnant and beautiful women who are pregnant and knowing that my body will never hold a child and knowing I'll never breastfeed. And I'm now almost 50 and I've never been in a room 
with, um, with someone giving birth. I, you know, and I just Mm. imagine, I imagine what that might be like someday if my daughter maybe invites me into her birthing room, if she chooses to have children. Um, but I, I think it's this, it's being okay with grieving that part that I know I won't have and accepting it and not, not pushing it down. Hmm. Um, and then being able to talk through it with different therapists over time and recognizing that it's okay to be sad about that and, and still in love with my kids. Hmm. And I feel like when I wasn't early on, when I wasn't able to grieve and I wasn't able to recognize that I felt myself numbing my feelings. And when you're trying to have a healthy relationship with a spouse and with kids and especially kids who struggle with attachment, you can't be numb. So if I didn't lean into those feelings and recognize those feelings and do my own work, then, then I know, I know what I do to protect myself. I numb myself. I just, I get my, uh, I like, I become a robot. I do the things I make, (laughs) make the food. I do the laundry, but I don't feel anything. Yeah. I can, (laughs) I can relate to that. I just have, I just have a a little tiny newborn and I'm like, I, I mean, I can, I can just go into that mode. It's insane. It's crazy. Gotta get the stuff done. You do, (laughs) you do though, you know, the, the, the house needs to be somewhat tidy. The diapers need to be changed. And all of this is coming up when you have, I'm sure, you know, these new kids, these, these these babies in your life. And, um, and life is crazy. Things are, things are chaotic. So that, 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 that idea of numbing or we're, we're just trying to survive that, that yeah. season, yeah. that's yeah. almost what we need to do sometimes, but then being able to recognize it is so vitally important to, um, to not be there for too long. You're absolutely right. Right. And when you see yourself numbing to the point of, um, not being a healthy parent Mm -hmm. or healthy spouse. Um, so yeah, I've done, I've, I've done hard work off and on through their parenting. And one of the things that I keep coming back to in my life, in my parenting, in my relationship with Christ is the truth that all things can be redeemed, which is Mm -hmm. (laughs) your entire, your entire story. And knowing that even when I'm like, when I'm having these struggles, knowing that because of that, I can do the hard work and I can become closer to Christ and closer Mm. to my kids. And if I, even that pain can be redeemed for good. And, And so I do talk openly about that with my family and with my kids and, and knowing that for instance, if I lose my temper and I yell and I say stupid things, I can make that right and we can work it out and that can be redeemed. Or if my kids make a bad choice and they make a, you know, they are their kids, they make mistakes or they, they (laughs) choose not the best things all the time, right? (laughs) (laughs) That that can be redeemed. Like all of actions can be redeemed if we allow God to use them. And that's the story of our family. Like infertility can be redeemed and the reason that kids are available for adoption, you know, all the, all the reasons there's no like happy 
reasons why kids are available for adoption. Mm -hmm. So all those reasons that can be redeemed. So our Mm -hmm. family, the way our family was formed is a redemption story. I don't think, I mean, my, my faith rests on the truth that all things can be redeemed. I don't think that God allowed me to be infertile. So we could adopt these children who came out of pretty difficult situations. I don't think he wants, I don't think that he planned that from the beginning of time, but I do think, I do believe that infertility is messy. Adoption is messy. God can redeem that God can do a miracle in bringing our family together. And that's the foundation of our family. So if that's the foundation of our family, everything else, all the ups and downs can all be redeemed as well. So we live it out all the time. Amen. That is so, that is so important, such a beautiful testimony. And it's important to point out that no, God didn't, he didn't plan this and, and, you know, he didn't, he didn't plan the infertility. Um, his, his promises for us are good. His gifts are good. However, we live in a sinful world. We live in a world where, where, where things happen that are outside of, um, outside of the goodness that God has for us. And, um, but that doesn't mean that he's not going to turn it around for good. Right. And, and, and I mean, it sounds like even in this adoption process that it has been, there's been things in that too. I mean, that in itself isn't a redemptive story, right? Yes. Yes. But the adoption too, there, there have been things, hard things that have needed to be redeemed (laughs) and that the Lord is continuing to redeem. So I just, I love that aspect. And it's such a good thing to remember that even like, even those good redeeming aspects that the Lord gives us because of pain can still have more pain to them, but they're still going to be redeemed. Nothing is beyond his redemptive power. Right. And right. And so even now with, you know, my, my teenage kids doing teenage kid things, (laughs) I feel like if I, if everything had gone according to plan, according to my plan, and if I had the shiny children biologically that I thought that I would, if, if, if everything, and, and if I, if my life had gone according to the way that I had planned it, then I feel like when my kids are teenagers making teenager mistakes, I would feel so much more anxiety than I do now, because now I'm like, huh, I wonder how God's going to redeem this. I things roll off me so much more, I think, than they would have mm. And I feel like had things gone according to my plan, I would have been a lot more judgy against other parents. First of all, (laughs) I would have been a lot more critical. I would have been like, why can't you get your kids together? Or what, you know, what's, I I feel like I would have had a lot more judgment and criticism Mm. and, and, um, now I just have, I'm, I feel so much compassion towards struggling parents. Yeah. And that is another part of God's redemption story. I mean, wow. we struggled. We, it was a big messy time in our family for a lot of years. And I just have so much compassion right. towards struggling parents. And I mean, how cool is it that because of my struggle, I was introduced to connected families through a friend. Right. 
And then eight years ago, I started working here and now I'm leading this amazing organization that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have parenting struggles. Yeah. That's <laughs> and the Lord's redeeming power, right? His, right. His redemption over and over and over again. Um, and so, so what, what I'm hearing you say, just because I know about connected families pretty well, I, I used to work, I used to work with you guys, yes. um, back before I had kids and when I was married to somebody else. <laughs> and so life is, life is crazy, but, um, but really what, what, what I'm hearing you say so much is the foundation of connected families. Yeah. Right. And, um, and if you could just, just briefly share what that is, um, maybe a, just a tad bit of the framework, because that's, I'm hearing that throughout this whole thing. Sure. We have talked about the framework on this podcast, but for a little refresher yep. for some people. Yes. So when my kids were little, I was listening to a ton of uh, podcasts and audiobooks and reading books, and they were all focused on behavior. Mm-hmm. So our framework had the bottom part of the framework. It's like a pyramid kind of shape. And the bottom part is you are safe with me. And then the next level up is you are loved no matter what the next level up is you are called and capable. And then the next level up is you are responsible for your actions so that you are responsible for your actions is kind of the smallest part in the mm-hmm. pyramid. very tip, very yeah. tip. And it's the correction piece of mm. um, behavior. So all of my energy prior to being familiar with connected families was about the action and really very like none <laughs> at the foundation level. And so when I saw that framework, that visual, it was just such an eye opener because it turned everything on its head. And it made me realize that I have to do my foundation work mm-hmm. first to send the message. You are safe with me. And then I, I hadn't been sending the message you're loved, no matter what. I mean, I, I would never have said that out loud, but my actions were you're loved if you have the right behavior. Yeah. And so then if you're parenting intentionally with sharing the message, you're loved, no matter what, then, and and you're safe with me that we call that the nest of grace. And from the nest of grace, we can build on that and coach our kids and showing them that you're, you are called and capable. So giving them an idea for their future Mm -hmm. and a vision for their future, pulling out their gifts. And then of course, kids are going to mistake, make mistakes. So they are responsible for their actions but we aren't punitive when we, um, give consequences, we give consequences wisely, Uh, just let life be more of a natural teacher than punishment. So that changed everything for our family. Um, we were impacted pretty greatly when our kids were probably like in the four, four or five, six year old range. Um, after, you know, I had spent several years trying to fix my kids and fix the behavior (laughs) and thankfully, uh, connected families came along when it did. Um, and then I started working there in 2013. Yeah. That's, that's so wild. Yeah. Because what, what that, what I'm hearing you say is what that, that, that foundation piece is, um, it's really, it's really focusing on on you, on yourself. Absolutely. And, um, and really looking, looking inward and saying, what's my stuff. And it sounds like from your testimony, what you're sharing is that a lot of that stuff was your own grief and your own pain that wasn't dealt with and wasn't healed. And so 
we all have that, right? We all have that to something to deal with and process. And, um, and so you, you healing that or, or handing that over to the Lord is just, um, powerful and, and actually gave you the ability to love and, um, and parent your kids really well. Yeah. And, you know, had I, had I done my grief work before adopting, I don't know that we ever would have gotten around to adopting. I mean, how long does it take Mm -hmm. to work through grief? It could be, it's a (laughs) lifelong process. Like, when do you say, okay, I'm done. But, but a big part of it too, is it will come up when it's triggered. And so, for sure. so maybe, you know, just, just in getting, in getting this poked when you had your right. kids, um, that, you know, it comes up. So you could still say, okay, I've done my work. I'm done grieving. Okay. Let's yeah. adopt. And then, oh, wait. And there's this other layer up. that's coming right. up. <laughs> That's so true. That was a big, that, that man, that so happened with me when I was, when I started dating again, after my divorce, it was just all coming up where I was like, I thought I dealt with all this stuff. (laughs) Clearly not. Like, it's just, it's these things that just poke your pain. And, but I also think that that's a big grace of the Lord too, that he, he actually gives us the ability to heal in stages that it's not just all at once. It's not just, um, you know, just this, this, um, it, I I've, I've heard it referred to like braces that if your teeth would just move, um, all like all of them all at once, they'd, they'd fall out or they, they'd die. Oh, they, yeah. they need to be Yikes. healed. They need to be moved are, are, um, in, in stages and, um, slowly. Um, and that's, that's painful, but it actually is, I think the grace of the Lord. And so, yeah, that's, that's a, wow. Yes. I had not thought of that, but you're absolutely right. Little bits at a time. And I can mm-hmm. tell you the last time I grieved in a physical way was a year ago. I had a hysterectomy and I came home wow. and I was, I mean, clearly I was never going to get pregnant before that, but knowing that that hysterectomy was truly, it was done and coming home. And that was mm that was the last on the floor sobbing, mm-hmm. not being able to cry or not being able to breathe because I was yeah. crying so much. And then it just feels like it's, it's done. Like that, that chapter is closed. Wow. Um, the finality of that must've been kind of just really hard. It sounds like it would be jarring to it anybody. Was, it was exactly what needed to happen. It mm-hmm. was it was the right timing. It was what needed to happen, but you know, and, and now that I'm saying that that chapter is closed, maybe when my daughter or my daughter-in-law has a baby someday, maybe it'll be triggered again. I don't know, Yeah, but I know that I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. And you have the skills now to be able to process it. Yes. That, that you're not going to be pushing it down, um, or just roboting your way through when it comes up. Right. That's powerful, man. I am so humbled and, um, and just really just, just feel so grateful that you're willing to share this, Anna. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, um, for, for those moms out there that, that may be in your shoes, um, in, in their pain, um, thinking back, maybe even before, um, you adopted your kids in, in the process of infertility, what would you say to those, to those mamas? (laughs) 
It's so hard to even think back to that time. I wouldn't want to say anything to them. I would just want to sit next to them. That's the most beautiful answer I think I've ever heard. Say more about that. Why would you want to just sit with them? They don't need any more advice. They're getting that from all over and they're scouring the internet and reading all the articles already. And they're trying to figure out the things. What I, I had a couple of friends during that time who were also infertile and we walked through that journey together And just being in the presence of other people who know what it feels like is, it's so good. It, it just, especially when everyone else around you is having babies and um, just being sitting next to someone and sharing space with someone is what I needed. That's great. That's so beautiful. I think that's a encouragement to anybody no matter what the pain is that you're experiencing or whatever grief you're going through to just sit in the presence of somebody who is going through the same thing. So true. We don't need to say anything. We don't need to be the Job's friends who open their mouth and, and mess things up, (laughs) you know? Um, and man, we need, we need more of that in this world. That's why we have two ears and one mouth, right? <laughs> I need to remember that because I'm so quick to just open my mouth and say things and try to give that advice. So I, that resonates very deeply in, with me. Thank you for saying and that. Because I know those moms are also hearing from people. Oh, if you would just relax, you would get pregnant. I mean, they're hearing oh all the things. <laughs> they're hearing all the things. Yeah. So they don't need anyone to talk to them. I, 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 before I forget, I do want to, um, just mention a resource on the connected families website, um, for anyone who is struggling with that foundation level, whether you adopted or not adopted or are struggling with parenting or not struggling with parenting. I mean, if, if you're, if you're a foundation, if you're still like a little uncertain, on your foundation level of your parenting. We have an online course called grace and truth for moms that Lynn Jackson, our co-founder recorded a couple years ago. It's a presentation, a workshop that I do as well live, but, um, she, we, we recorded this workshop from her and it is so very, very good. It is all the lives, the lies that moms believe and how we can counteract those lies with God's truth. So it's called grace and truth for moms. It's a great online course and just check that out. That's a really good option. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any, anything that we mention in this will, um, will certainly add to the show notes, show notes of this okay. episode. And so there will be um, a link to that. So you guys can find more information about that um, and connected families and the framework, yeah. all of that. So Anna, I am so grateful for your willingness to be here. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to mention, talk about, um, that, that wasn't mentioned or talked about? My kids are such a joy. I could not imagine this life without them. I'm so happy 
that the, my life turned out the way that it did. Mm. Um, yeah, they're just amazing. I'm so, so honored and blessed to be their mother. That's perfect. Thank you so much for being here, Anna. You're welcome.